the jealousy of man is enraged envy yeah. uh, that is empowered by yeah anger and sometimes even lust and and I I say the jealousy of man because it's really important as we talk about jealousy that we also distinguish the jealousy of God versus the jealousy of man. And, uh, you know, a prime example of this, or I guess the reason why this is important is because it's very popular nowadays to hear someone say how I would never worship a jealous God. And that's actually yeah. Oprah Winfrey's yeah. famous yes. line. She, she claims that she grew up in a Christian household. I think it was a Christian household, but she said at some point she read in the old Testament that God was jealous. And she said, I can't worship a God who is, who is a jealous God. And, and the error that she made one of many is that the jealousy of God, righteous jealousy is different. When God is jealous for us, it is for our good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is for our protection. You know, we talk about as as dads, we want to protect our daughters as men come along. We want to make sure those men are godly men, that they have right intentions, that, they're, uh, that their plans are good, that the reason why they have an interest in our daughter is pure and good. You could say we are jealous for our daughters. Definitely. As men, we are acting in protection of them because we want their good. When we when we worship false idols, when we turn from God, God desires our good and he is jealous for us. That is very, that is beautiful and good and protective and loving jealousy. That is godly jealousy. And that is very different than haughty, envious jealousy that, yeah. that someone might have. Hold that thought. I'm going to get Oprah on the phone. I wish that those of you listening to the podcast, friends, could see the splendid phenomenon that those of us here in the studio are about to behold. There's a mirror in here. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. But no, friends, I'm now going to ask Mark Spence to please open his eyes as wide as he possibly can. Is that it? <laughs> Mark, how many times have I seen that? And it still blows me away. Because friends, for those of you who cannot see it, and that's all of you listening to the podcast, nothing happened. Mark, how is that humanly possible? I can blink. How is it possible? Go from this to this. Okay, because, like, let me do it. Ready? No. <laughs> right? Like, you got, have you guys seen that video with the, I, there's a, a guy and a girl who can actually pop their eyes out. Oh, I've seen that. Ooh, it's disgusting. Like that. It's pretty it's gross, ping for pong, sure. Ping pong balls. Mine are close to that. I can't do that, but... but you my, actually no, could if you hit yourself on the back of the head. <laughs> nothing <laughs> changes. <laughs> that is really interesting, no, Mark. I'll just say, this is how God has made me. Why mock? Yeah, well, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made easy. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. You guys thought of that, though? Seriously, like, the, Seriously? the facial expression for almost all animals, like, don't change yeah but you can still know what they're thinking in, in the expressions i look at my dog there's no there's no muscles in the face that are showing no skin it's just all fur and i know what's going on how is it it's just amazing so i guess the eyes it's the tail tail yeah do we know real. for sure that the wagging of the tail means happiness yes definitely yeah and and then it like the smile not smiles the smile at, the smiles it, at the other end of a dog <laughs> <laughs> sneezing so is submission i learned this what's that if your dog sneezes in excitement, it's like a submission. For yeah, real? I know yawning is excitement, they say. Why do they yeah. eat grass? To be sick. They want to throw up. Why do they run grass. away when they... Yeah. 
It's guilt spin. Yeah. But no, I, I, I'm amazed by, you know, like a, a tortoise. It, you can't, it just, its face is forever frozen that way. You know, it can't show excitement and joy. Well, how can <laughs> a tortoise show excitement? Mark. I've been running around here all day. It's not going to have excitement <laughs> on his face. Mark, seriously, that phenomenon with your eyes, no matter how wide you try to open them, stay exactly. That is the eighth wonder of the world to me. I haven't. No Are you calling idea. him a tortoise? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That's mind blowing. But yeah, facial expressions are uh, are pretty amazing. Well, you see I'm the genius to... of God's handiwork when you think of facial expressions. You can tell exactly what's going on by the expression on someone's face. It reflects uh, their soul. It's quite incredible. You know, I was just looking at the uh, picture of our dear friends who just had a baby, and yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Oscar. Uh, I thought you were going to say something. Nope. No, but it, it it was just, I want to protect their privacy, but it was just amazing. As, and this was what brought that who, to mind. Whose privacy do you want to protect? Our yeah, friends who just, had, name? who just had their babies. Yeah. Our number? Uh, Social security number? No, but I, I was looking at their picture and I, I was, I zeroed in on their eyes and I'm like, the joy that was beaming from their face it was so evident and it was distinct, right? I mean, you could just see it and... It's a gift from the Lord. Yeah, that we it's so wonderful. That. They don't know what's coming over the extreme. <laughs> will they have that at three in the morning? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the expression will change. You know, Rachel to this day, I think has bitterness in her heart toward me because after we had Julia, our firstborn, I said it was the toughest night of my life. And here's poor Rachel recovering from a C-section. <laughs> but no, I mean, I distinctly remember because I was getting up with her in the night and I just never had to do that kind of thing. And I can, to this day, still feel the exhaustion, you know, that I felt. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get to spots in life and you're like, how in the world did we do it? Five children, you know, you think of all the phases from pregnancy to birth to, you know, challenges at the different stages of life as you're trying to train them and parent them. But what, then, a, what a joy, though, when it, when it comes down to it. Oh, absolutely. And and what grace that you're able to weather all of that, mm-hmm. you know? And then, you, you 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 know, with us, we homeschooled, and then we graduated the first, and the second, and the third, the fourth. Now Kylie's, she's going to be a junior next year, and she'll be our last. But it, it, it's just the evidence of God's grace mm-hmm. and faithfulness in our lives. I mean, you can apply that to everything, you know, that we do and how we live. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. God is good. All right, friends, we have a comment from Evelyn, A-E-V-A-L-Y-N-E. I hope I pronounced that correctly. My favorite Christian podcast. What? I, <laughs> no, I want to know. I wanna, I'm looking for a good podcast. <laughs> I stumbled across the Living Waters ministry on YouTube, and let me tell you, it forever changed my life. Better or worse? <laughs> That's the question. Ray has an exceptional and succinct way of explaining the gospel. He made it crystal clear to me, and now I know why sin is so severe. I love listening to their episodes while I paint my watercolor portraits. I especially love listening to their oh episodes while I paint my watercolor portraits. I, I was so good, I had to read it twice. I especially... I was going to read it for a third time. What in the world's going on in my head? The next I especially enjoyed the episode on anxiety because anxiety seems like a default mode for me. It was so comforting to know that Ray and Easy dealt with this and they still are going strong. Anyways, I love listening to these guys and they are always cracking me up. It's also so helpful that they are biblically oriented. Thank you, Evelyn. Yeah. Thank you yeah, so much really for that. Nice. Ray, you know, when people say, 
what she said here, and now I know why sin is so severe. Doesn't that make you overjoyed in terms of when you, you got a hold of Hell's Best Kept Secret? Absolutely, and it, it, it magnifies the cross, magnifies the love of God, magnifies the gratitude in your heart. Just this morning I was just crying out to the Lord and saying I'm so thankful for gratitude mm. because it's such a motivator. It just never, ever dies down. Yeah. And it's as, it's as big as your um, repentance. It's big as much as much as you've seen your sin. That's as much as you'll see how how great the cross is. And it changes a person, doesn't it? Gratitude, you know, yes. when, when you you see the difference between a person who didn't know the Lord and couldn't even appreciate the marvels of God's creation. You know, the most simple things, and then they come to the Lord, and everything just transforms. You know, it's, you know, I often um, say to non-Christians, God gave you your eyes, and it's, you see them go, never thought of that. Huh. You know, you can think because God gave you a brain. You've got blood going through your veins that God gave you. You've got bones that hold you together. You know, your, your taste buds are all, all these things are God's goodness lavished upon you, and you used his name as a cuss word. Wow. You know, it just shows the sinfulness of sin. Gratitude is a godly attitude. Yeah. Mark Oscar Navarro, 2023. Yeah, you know, I've often said I'd like to be unusually grateful. I want to thank God for things that he's never heard somebody say thank you for. Your eyes. Right. <laughs> those, those, those little squinty things. My eyes don't open any wider no matter what I do. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. No, you that's it. Like see, you know, seeing a flower, seeing a sunset, seeing things, you know, that are coming, you know, our way, just thanking God. You know, we, we're committed to give thanks in all things for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Mm. And we have plenty to be grateful for, you know, plenty, plenty, plenty to be grateful for. And I just want to be a thankful, thankful person. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not as much as I should. Well, yeah. Thank you, Mark. Likewise, you know, I, I've said it before on the program, but we can give thanks always for all things because we deserve nothing less painful than hell. So everything is an undeserved blessing, mm-hmm. everything. And I try to freeze frame oftentimes when something goes great in my life and I'm about to jump around with excitement. I ask myself if the outcome were opposite to what it, it was, would I still be thanking the Lord? Again, not being a clown and jumping around, oh, great, you know, my beloved just died. But no, I'm just saying, can we still look and say, Lord, the Lord is given, the Lord is taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And and to be like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, whom we often call by their pagan names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to say, look, our God whom we serve is able, but if not, we won't bow because we trust in the power of God, the providence of God, and it's because we know the person of God. Hey, listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has $100. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. 
Speaking of that, this this morning I was um, witnessing to a guy and filming. His name was Daniel. He said he was brought up in a Christian home. I said, what's your belief in God now? He says, I'm doubting God a lot. He says, mm. My, I never had a father. Wow. And instead of saying, wow, I says, what does God owe you? <laughs> and he said, wow, you're right. He owes me nothing. Wow. wow. And it was a great time. Wow. Yeah. I want to use that. that. It's profound. And in fact, I, before you shared that, Ray, I was thinking of asking you, you know, because what you, what you mentioned earlier about saying to a person, did you realize God gave you your eyes? I'm like, oh, whoa. Obviously, Romans tells us everyone's without excuse. God has made his reality evident. But Ray, when you challenge people on, hey, well, I, you know, we just evolved, big bang, whatever, and you say, where did that come from? I mean, don't, do you think some people are seriously for the first time like thinking, oh, yeah. It's like the brain has never worked, and I'm serious. I'm not being <laughs> cynical. It's like, don't yeah. you ever think? Think about the, yeah. the 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 insanity of thinking all this happened because of an explosion. It's just mm. nuts. Yeah. You know, every, it, we we acknowledge that everything's designed around us. Everything we point to is designed. Mm. You know, your clothes, your car, your you know, your hat, anything. And to say everything came from explosion of nothing is just it's it's worse than insanity. Madness. Yeah. All right, friends. This podcast is brought to you by Tough Questions. This kind of aligns with what we're talking about because people ask questions and we need to know how to answer. So we put this course together, Tough Questions, Apologetics Made Simple. Uh, It comes in two forms. One is a five-session DVD study, uh, and the other is the same thing, but an MP4 format. And you'll discover ready answers to questions such as who made God? Why is there suffering and evil? How can a loving God send people to hell? Isn't the Bible filled with contradictions? Why are Christians anti-science? And much, much more. Plus, it's got great graphics. Oh, yeah. It's really well done. Red snow, just wonderful. Yeah, so it's uh, Ray, Mark, and myself uh, in that, and uh, it includes five sessions, uh, 25 minutes each or so on three DVDs. That's the, the DVD version. It was pre-Oscar, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pre-Oscar. I was here, but I wasn't hosting yet. Yeah, we didn't like Oscar at that time. <laughs> now we like Oscar sometimes. Uh, 1080p <laughs> HD digital uh, video files, MP3 audios of each session. You get a 72-page study guide. 400 gospel tracks come with it that tackle tough questions, promotional videos, printable bulletin, insert posters, all that good stuff. Check it out, along with the Evidence Bible, Study Bible. Why do you guys always mention the Evidence Study Bible? Because because it's got good stuff in it. And I've been encouraged because in a lot of the comments, people are saying, the Evidence Study Bible has been such a blessing to me, yeah, and they're yeah. getting it. So we want you to get it. We, we Listen, we promote our resources because we believe they will impact your life. That's it. Amen. All right. Make sure to check it all out at livingwaters.com. All right. Uh, lessons. Wait, what'd you just do, Ray? Put out a pin from a hand grenade and threw it. <laughs> Does that show the violence in your heart, Ray? No, it was actually um, it was an Easter egg. No, <laughs> a loving just tossing grenade. it too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to continue, friends, uh, kind of this theme of lessons from, and today it's lessons from the life of Joseph. Who's that? For my Arab homies out there, Yusuf. Yusuf. I love Joseph. Yeah. Do you? Oh, man. Joseph, to me, I, I would say is one of the most influential characters of the Old Testament. Well, you can't fault the guy. Yeah. You know, you, you can fault Abraham for telling twisted untruths about his sister. <laughs> you can fault Moses for his unbelief, but Joseph shines. Yeah. He really does. Yeah, he does. And again, as I mentioned in, in the other two character studies that we did, Romans fifteen four, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. 
and First Corinthians 10, 11. Now all things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. I've shared the context of that. Why do you keep quoting those? It seems like a no-brainer to me. Is it's there a brainer? Yeah, was that? It's a brainer. It's a brainer. Mm-hmm. I think it's a brainer. I, I mean, I like, quote are there them because pushing against. Yeah, I quote them because I want people to get the context, understanding that God intended for us to learn from these lessons, and that we're to have hope, you know, in the word. And I love that, right? Yes. That that God intentionally wants to give us hope through His word. This to me is a tapestry of God's sovereignty. You know, I mean, you think of some of the heartache and pain and trial and challenge that these guys went through. And God says, I'm going to weave that together to give my children on the other side of the covenants from old to new hope. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just add, I think if you don't, if you, if you don't study and know the old Testament, it's so difficult to really truly understand the new Testament. I, you know, I coach my son's basketball team and I have my kids do dribble drills with their right hand and then dribble drills with their left hand. And every time we switch over to the left hand, because most of the kids are right-handed they all kind of, you know, the right hand, they're all good and they're all confident and they got their swagger. And then we start doing drills with the left hand and it starts to fall apart. And they're like, oh, can't wait. I just want to, I don't dribble with my left hand. I dribble with my right hand. And I told them, if you, as a basketball player, if you can only dribble with your right hand, you're only half a basketball player. Mm, that's so true. The half of the court is unavailable to you. And in that same way, if you're a Christian who doesn't study the Old Testament, uh, only half an understanding of the gospel is available to you. Yeah, the Old Testament is so valuable in understanding what God is doing, what He has done for us all. I'm still feeling weird about using my left hand to drivel. It just, <laughs> it just, it, just the thought of it is just. And I, I love the way Jesus said, "If your right hand causes you to sin, hmm. that is your very best, the most confident hand. Cut yeah. it off and cast it from you. Wow. It's better to enter heaven without a hand than go to hell with both your hands." Powerful stuff. Yeah. Familiarity with the Old Testament will give you appreciation and understanding for the new. And as you guys know, I listen to scripture constantly. I'm on my 32nd time since I started that habit. This morning. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you listen double double speed? I do because the the particular audio that I use, which I, by the way, highly recommend, it's called The Word of Promise, and it's got, you know, famous people doing the readings, but it's uh, dramatized. So, you know, you have sound effects, you've Mm. got different voices. I listen to 12 speed, get through it in two days. (laughs) Yeah. I actually joke that you listening to two speed is why you always quote scripture so fast. (laughs) It does. It's crazy. But I love it. Love it. Right now I'm in first Kings and, you know, I I, I love first the Samuels, the Chronicles and the Kings, because they just have just such depth in them, you know, but but I love it. It just it reinforces. And every time I, I, I listen, it goes deeper. You know, when we're doing the podcast, things are coming. When I'm preaching, I'm getting things that come back to heart and mind. I'd encourage those of you listening to consider that habit. You know, when I'm driving, I'm listening to scripture. Sometimes I'm going through Costco and I got my earbuds in. I'm listening to scripture. I love it. You know, it takes God's word deeper. Mm-hmm. So anyway, today we're talking about Joseph Yusuf and... Joseph, uh, man, Joseph's amazing. He was the 11th son of Jacob, of course, uh, Israel. He was his first son through his unfortunately favored wife, Rachel. And we find a story in Genesis uh, 37 to 50. 
just kind of comes up on the scene and he becomes the big focus. And lots of interesting aspects to yes, Joseph's lives. Absolutely. Lives? <laughs> Joseph, was he a cat? Yeah. Joseph's nine lives? Uh, so well, why don't we do something different? Let, let me throw it out. I mean, this could be a mixed bag of order, but I'd love to hear highlights of some of your favorite yeah. portions of Joseph's yeah, life. Yeah, I, I just think you look at uh, what happened with Jacob and Joseph and say to yourself, for you crazy, Jacob, favoring your son, giving him a mm. coat of many colors, and you know, jealousy comes with a dagger in the right hand. Wow. You know, you'd never give yourself to jealousy, but it's like Jacob said, okay, this is, I'm going to pour some, pour some oil onto the fire. Mm. He just made it worse. And then there comes those dreams from Joseph and he's not helping matters. And it just became an inferno of hatred. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, and it tells us in Genesis 37, three, that uh, Joseph or Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons wow. because he had been born to him in his old age, and he, and, you know, and then he made him the you know multicolored tunic or robe. Wear this so your brothers will hate you more. <laughs> yeah, really? stand out more. It's like a big <laughs> sign on his back. I'm daddy's favorite. Yeah, you know it's like it buying your son a shirt. Favorite son. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I just thought of it as a target. There's <laughs> a target for your back. Yeah. So let, let's talk about that a little bit. In fact, that was the first thing I noted here. Let's talk about you know Jacob's favoritism. I mean, he favored. Rachel over Leah. We know how poor guy got duped into that whole deal, right? But then he ends up favoring his son above his other sons. I, I guess people don't put themselves in other people's shoes. I, I would say oftentimes to not realize what that must feel like. I know what it feels like. Do you? Hmm. When we film with for Ken Ham, I had to put myself in your shoes because I forgot mine. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> what happened with that, Ray? Yeah, no, I don't what happened tell you. with that, Ray? Well, someone gave me some boots that I absolutely adored because the guy went to be with the Lord. They were cowboy boots. And I said, I'm going to wear those every time I preach. And you said, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> you know, it's like a vow before God. Well, I'm just imagining you 40 years down the line. Yeah, with, yeah it wasn't even boots. With your years. toes sticking through the boots. It was, boots. Only, it was <laughs> torn down. only about a year later oh. where I drove down to film for Ken Ham, that thing they were going to film for the San art. Diego. In San Diego. And I forgot my boots. <laughs> I was wearing sneakers and I thought, I can't film in sneakers. I'm supposed to be well-dressed. Mm-hmm. And so you lent, rescued you, Ray. You loaned me your shoes. I mean, they were like boats, like had two Noah's Arks that I was standing in, but they oh. were. My shoes and what else, Ray? Your belt. My belt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it stopped there. <laughs> um, Were you with him? So you're just giving him well, I was with wearing? him. And he's like, hey, nay, I got my snake is on. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Ray, here's my humble Arab shoes. Oh, so Ray has walked in my shoes. Oh, yes, literally. I know what it's like to walk in an Arab shoe. What a blessing, that video. You know, we, we, we continue to get people that reach out to us and say, oh, I saw that video inside the ark. So it's inside the ark. It's a part of, yeah. you know, when you're touring through, they have, they have this section at the end of the ark where the movie just keeps replaying at different intervals throughout the day. And it's Ray basically guiding people through the gospel. For those who don't know, oh. Ken Ham built a giant boat <laughs> in Kentucky. I'm sorry, calling it a dinghy. It took, it took millions of years. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so favoritism, guys. All Is you it, three are my favorite. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I'm curious about the Arab culture. Yeah. You know, in the situation in which you grew up, you're the youngest. Mm. Um, your your dad, you know, was was quite old. Did your parents show favoritism towards you because you were the youngest, or were you the rut and you didn't? Ha- nobody paid attention to this you. This is about to be a therapy session. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> something obviously you need a happened. Hug? Something obviously happened for you yeah. to be like this. Why are you bringing this up, Mark? <laughs> Deep wounds. No, that that is actually a really good question. And the Arab culture 
definitely tends toward favoritism. The interesting thing here, right? Toward who? The oldest? The youngest. Well, that's what I was going to say. The interesting thing here is that Joseph was the youngest, mm. and favoritism was was at work there, right? But in the Arab culture, it's typically the oldest, and it would have been in the obviously the, you were the Jewish first, culture. Firstborn. Yeah, the firstborn, and the firstborn does have this prominence in the home. I was going to say unspoken, but it's spoken. You know, I'm the oldest. I mean, it, it's kind of, and there's a lot of authority that that's given there. And it, it was, I think, pronounced all the more in my home because we moved here from Lebanon and my parents didn't speak the language. They, they didn't know the culture. They didn't uh, work. You know, my dad was retired already. My mom was a homemaker. So a lot fell on my brother. Hmm. And my brother was amazing. I mean, he he worked his tail off this helping. Yeah, my brother Frank helping to provide, you know, as and when we came here and... You know, he had a lot of responsibility. He was going to school full-time. He was pre-med. He wanted to be a doctor. He was working as an orderly in a hospital. He worked weekends. He worked vacations. He worked, I mean, it was amazing. And then, and then... We have the wrong Zwayne co-hosting this <laughs> podcast. And then he worked, and then he, and then he started a company cleaning carpets in addition to working full-time, in school full-time. I mean, it was amazing, you know, but that increased his prominence. And, and so I, I think if you asked us siblings, you know, we would say, yeah, he's the favorite, you know, that, that's how it would appear. But I know my parents did strive to, and, and, and I would hear my mom repeatedly say, I love you all exactly the same, you know, and, and I was blessed to, to, to hear that reiterated. Maybe there were inadvertent expressions of him being the favorite or whatever, or maybe some felt others were, or they were, I don't know, but... Well, I'm never going to look at Frank again to know that he worked his tail off. Some evol- evolution. <laughs> you didn't know up. Frank had a tail? No, I didn't. Oh. But you've just told us the tale. <laughs> but anyway, but uh, yeah, speak to that, guys. It's ugly favoritism. Yeah. It's it's God. God, it doesn't show partiality in, in the in the grand scheme of things. You know. I was just thinking about. I know this is kind of off topic, uh, but it, it came to mind uh, because nowadays there's a lot of pushback. There are some people who want to change the way scripture is translated. So whenever you see in the New Testament, for example, uh, that we are heirs, that we are sons of a God in heaven, some people, and and what is, I, I generally don't like to use this term, but it's a fitting term here. Some in the woke, woke Christian culture would say, oh, well, we should start translating it to sons and daughters because it's disrespectful towards women. It shows favoritism towards men for the New Testament to translate it as the sons. And then I heard, I think it was Fleming Rutledge, who's a female theologian, she pointed out, you are totally misunderstanding how valuable it is for a woman in the, in the Middle East 2,000 years ago to be referred to as a son. Hmm. Not in a sexual term, uh, not in like a gender terminology, but she pointed out, to your point, is that in, in that culture, the firstborn son was the inheritor. It was the most valued child. And so as the New Testament, as people in, in the early church were receiving letters from the apostles and the women were being read to and they were being told, you will be like a son, for the first time a woman would be treated as a firstborn inheritor of the kingdom of God. Mm. And so the point that this this person was making was for you to change the impact 
because of our modern day understanding of wokeness is to lose the importance of, of what God wanted to do in treating men and women equal in his, in his kingdom. No. And isn't it funny how many people today look at scripture and look at God as the exact opposite of the way God actually is and the way he has brought uh, equality, uh, you know, by and large to a society where, you know, women were second class uh, citizens, right. you know, by and large. It's, it's just funny. You know, we just have to always go back to whatever scripture says. God's way is always right. Amen. Yeah. And, and, and let's look at another angle of this. So we're talking about Joseph and you know, being the favorite son. And then he starts having these these dreams, right? And then he Should goes- he kept those dreams to himself. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, Genesis 37, five to 11, we, I mean, we see him basically going and, hey, bros, guess what? <laughs> I know you said he did no wrong, but he was kind of bragging after those dreams. Yeah, but the thing is, we would never know the fulfillment of those dreams and his brothers wouldn't have known the, 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 the glory that came to God because of those dreams, Yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. yeah. And so, but, but, that, but I think that, is a lesson for us to learn from his life. I think boasting and bragging is really a byproduct of the sinful nature. Mark, you're good at boasting. <laughs> <laughs> if I do say so myself. Yeah. And, and but, but it's, right, it's hard. I, I don't know what it is. Is it validation for ourselves as people to show that, hey, I'm significant or I want praise or I want to feel good from being recognized as someone who's accomplished or successful? There's nothing worse than hearing someone praise themselves. Let huh. another man praise you, the scriptures say. And yeah. when, you, when you see an athlete, no matter how good he is, brilliant he is, when he comes up to the camera and says, yeah, mm. I'm, I'm, you just think, yeah. It's just uh, yeah. distasteful. Yeah, I think about that. You know, when we watch basketball, and I see these players, and the you know the arrogance that yeah. comes from them, and um, a haughty look that, yeah. that God hates. I often think about that, and it's like, oh man, that's yeah, yeah. There's nothing like. I mean, from a leadership perspective, there's nothing like hearing the athletes that when they and and there are a few still mm. when they walk up and you know they've got the most points, they've got the most assists, and. Uh, and they'll ask him, and, and instead of saying, yeah, you know, I really put the team on my back, very few, but some still will so mm. do something like, yeah, man, if if so-and-so wouldn't have made that shot, would it, it would, yeah. this that, was a team right. effort. I love this that. Is, you know what I mean? They, they, I think a good leader is really good at humbly pointing back to the people yeah. who helped get them there. Yeah. Well, and things have changed. I mean, you know, you, you think back to boxers as an example, a pre, I would say, probably Muhammad Ali, <laughs> you know, maybe there were others before him, but... You would hear class, you know, hey, may the best man win, right? That right. that was like the typical yeah. go-to line. And now it's so filthy. I mean, they intentionally stir things up to, and maybe a lot of it is an act too, but you know, they, I'm going to do this and blank and kill you and kill your children. It's like, what? Right. Where have we come to, like you know? Pit bulls. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you're going to say something. I don't remember. But to your point, I remember when I played <laughs> high school football, the coach had said, whenever the press comes up to you and they want your prediction for next week's game, you must say, you know, they're a good team, we're a good team, it should be a good game, yeah. right? That he wanted to eliminate all of the boasting. I love Was that. it hard being the water boy? <laughs> it was, it was. However, however, I often talk about this with Sue, our all-black team, which is a great rugby team, always get rubbished just, rubbish just before a game by the opponent, opposing team. And I say to Sue, it's deliberate because they know it's going to stir people's passions, cause them to show interest in the game and watch it on TV. Well, don't you think it's warranted with that haka they do at the opposing <laughs> teams? I mean, they look like they're going to kill them. Yes, I know. 
have they stick out their tongue yeah Good. i have the eyeballs for a hopper yeah, sure. you you that would scare anybody yeah it uh, warn your kids to watch uh, easy yeah so but then you have the the whole incident with with what his brothers did to him yeah right i mean okay you've got him boasting and bragging but then it this turns is gonna into, be a two program i know this is long but then it goes into them throwing the kid in a pit and they yeah. wanted to kill him you know and and i mean it, it's just insane to think if if reuben hadn't rescued him you know what what would have happened but you know they end up selling him yeah. as a slave but you can't help but see christ magnified in this and the 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 uh, foreshadow of jesus being thrown into, into the pit of death by his brothers yeah being sold as a slave mm. it's just a wonderful typology yeah, for sure the, the clear typology there but yeah it just shows that you get jealousy in your heart you're going to make way for murder in your heart and that's uh-huh. what they had they wanted to kill him his own their own brother so let, let's camp out on that for a minute jealousy boy there are a few things as as ugly as as jealousy um and and i think because of what it's the catalyst for you know and and to and what it what it ends up leading people to do i mean it it shows this the egocentric self-centered fallen nature of man you know when you think about what it is i mean how would you describe jealousy what is it it's insanity because you hear of guys i caught my wife with another man I loved her, so I killed her because of it. You hear it so often. A guy will go on a rage and kill the, the, the unfaithful wife along with the unfaithful or the man that committed adultery with her. So it's like a rage that consumes people and takes away their common sense. Mm. I was going to say manly, uh, the jealousy of man is enraged envy yeah. uh, that is empowered by, by uh, yeah, anger and sometimes even lust. And, and I, I say the jealousy of man because it's really important as we talk about jealousy that we also distinguish the jealousy of God versus the jealousy of man. And, uh, you know, a prime example of this, or I guess the reason why this is important is because it's very popular nowadays to hear someone say how I would never worship a jealous God. And that's actually yeah. Oprah Winfrey's yeah. famous yes. line. She, she claims that she grew up in a Christian household. I think it was a Christian household, but she said at some point she read in the old Testament that God was jealous. And she said, I can't worship a God who is, who is a jealous God. And, and the error that she made, one of many, is that the jealousy of God, righteous jealousy is different. When God is jealous for us, it is for our good. Yeah. It is for our protection. You know, we talk about as, as dads, we, we want to protect our daughters as men come along. We want to make sure those men are godly men, that they have right intentions, that their, uh, that their plans are good, that the reason why they have an interest in our daughter is pure and good. You could say we are jealous for our daughters. Definitely. As men, we are acting in protection of them because we want their good. When we, when we worship false idols, when we turn from God, God desires our good and he is jealous for us. That is very, that is beautiful and good and protective and loving jealousy. That is godly jealousy. And that is very different than haughty, envious jealousy that, yeah. that someone might have. Hold that thought. I'm going to get Oprah on the phone. God. <laughs> Bring Oprah here. <laughs> yeah, that was, again, you know, lack of knowledge. Yeah. It's so destructive, you know, um, when it's people don't have understanding. It's a lack of knowledge. Because, yeah. you know, if you're a godly person and you fear God, you're going to say, I'm going to find out what that means. Yeah. I'm not going to come to a conclusion. And Yeah. You know. And when people say, I'm not going to worship a God like that, 
again, that's idolatry. They're going to fashion God in their own image rather than saying, well, he's God. He, he establishes the standard, and I bow to that. You know, he is. Who am I to argue with God, yeah. you know? Uh, but, you know, jealousy, man, it's so destructive. I think... Isn't there a scripture that says jealousy is a rage? Isn't there a I believe problem? so, yeah. yeah. But I, I think that... Oscar 316. I, I, <laughs> I think that the root of jealousy is selfishness, but but tied to that is this inability to truly rejoice for others. Hmm. And and I think it's birthed out of not being content in who God has made us and what God has allotted for our lives. And when when you when you take your eyes off of, of off of the Lord and his sovereignty in your life, it everything's gonna make you jealous. That's good. Why do they have that and I don't? Why why did he get that opportunity and I didn't? How beautiful it is when we can get to a place as God's people where we can genuinely rejoice for someone else who was picked over us, favored over us, got more opportunities than us, had greater financial blessing than us, and to seriously be settled in your heart and you can rejoice for them mm. and with them. That's good. It's a beautiful thing, but let me just say friends that it, this is impossible without crying out to God that's right. to do that work in you. But that's the problem is oftentimes we don't. It's there and then we just let it burn. And then we get frustrated with ourselves and we feel condemned you know, because we're sinning, but we don't really take it to God. Pour our heart out before him, make it a daily prayer. I, I pray what I call preventative prayers. Things that, for example, I know are a weakness of mine and I may not be struggling with them at the moment, but I'm praying preventative prayers so that God protects me from even going there, you know? And then studying scripture on those things and, and reading books on them. And like we've talked about before on a recent podcast, like you gotta really go all out and God will do a work in you mm. in those things, you know? So isn't that another way of saying walking in the fear of the Lord, yeah. making sure my thoughts and my desires are in line with his will? Yeah. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. Yeah, amen. Good. So obviously we know what happens with Joseph. His, his brothers end up selling him. He goes, he, you know, he gets... he gets. We haven't even got to Potiphar's wife I know, yet. now That's we're there, we're now. getting there. So he, we, <laughs> you know, he gets purchased by Potiphar. He was a high official, you know, for Pharaoh. And then Potiphar's wife, she was really into <laughs> Joseph. I mean, she, she, I mean, it says, Genesis 39, and uh, 7 to 15 says, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. Well, he was good looking. Yeah, he was a good looking. Not, yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah, say that. One of yeah. me. One of us. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. Meaning like, he doesn't even know what he has or doesn't. He trusts me that much. Absolutely. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Wow. Yeah. I love the fact that Joseph didn't call it an affair. <laughs> he didn't call it a fling. How can I do this wickedness? He called it what it was and sin against God. You know? Can I just... Give a thought here. I don't know if we're going to... Yeah. Is that what I saw? Yeah, go ahead. Do it, Ray. Ray, please. When you're ready, just... Yeah, go ahead, Ray. I'm into it right now. Um, Joseph just listed how he had been trusted by Potiphar with everything, you know, in charge of the chariots, in charge of the finances, doing the cooking, whatever. He was in charge of everything except that wife. And then Joseph said, when it came to having committing adultery, how then can I do this thing? And the key word is the word then... Amen. That changes everything. Your husband has trusted me 
how can I then do this thing? In other words, I'm betraying the trust of Potiphar. And the adultery was sinning against God. And so often I hear non-Christians say, yeah, I have done things that are wrong, and it's wrong to hurt people. And I say, no, no, that's not sin. Sin isn't hurting people. Yeah. You can get into a bank account of a billionaire and steal a million dollars, and he didn't even know about it. Yeah. You didn't hurt him even slightly, but your sin is against God, and that's what sin is, primarily against God. And that's what Joseph was saying, even before the commandments was given, were given. How can I do this thing, yeah. betray my master, and sin against God. I love that, Ray. And you know, you, you, I love when you talk about how whether you steal $100 from someone's wallet or a dollar, yeah. you still stole. Didn't I have a book that I wrote? What happened to it? You write a book. Oh, wait, what did happen? It, it was, was on sitting here. on the table. Oh, Ray wrote a book about Joseph. Ray wrote a book about you? Joseph. I don't know. I'm looking around for it. Behind you? Uh, oh, yeah. Mark moved it. Here yeah. it is, friends. Mark how to overcome the wipes. brethren. Did you? <laughs> no, I didn't touch I am sorry, Mark. I falsely, falsely accused Mark. Pretty how good. to overcome life's endless trials, valuable lessons from the life of Joseph. And it's now, got its tunic with tire marks on it. Yes, and I love that cover. And it was the, the graphic artist, a great job. Oh, Here he's, he's given really a tunic by his father, and there's an 18 wheeler runs over him because <laughs> he thinks, man, I got it made. You yeah. know, I'm my father's favorite. Then he's thrown into a pit by his brother, sold as a slave, accused of sexual misconduct, which he didn't do, and then thrown in prison. Oh. And so it was just tire mark after tire mark coming on Joseph. Right. And, uh, so Mark, uh, Joseph's fleeing from sin. He ran out. He left his 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 tunic, right, and just yes. took off. Yeah. Um, was that as, it wasn't as coat of many colors? No, I don't think so. Oh, no, no, that was that. ripped. Yeah, that, remember that was... Oh, that's right. I was taking blood. back with blood on a yeah. type of the gospel. Yeah, I had a young man. He took it to the dry cleaner, but it... Couldn't do any work. I had a young man... Send me a text uh, yesterday uh, saying, how do you deal with sexual temptation? Mm. And I said, run. Mm. Run away and pursue Christ. So you're going to start singing Christ. that 80s song. Run so far away. How's it go? I don't know. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 80s. Yeah, you know, it's, it's run, 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 run. What, what do you do? Run. And when you're tired of running, you you crawl. You do whatever you can to get out of that situation. And you mm-hmm. pursue everything that you need to that's wholesome and holy from above. So yeah. having a phone that has access to pornography is not running. Yeah. You know, it's I, dangerous for sure. Joseph's, Joseph's story is also reflecting back to the garden. Those those who have been hearing Joseph's story for the first time in these in these passages would be thinking about Adam because it was Adam who was given stewardship over over the garden and everything in it but the tree. It was Joseph who was given stewardship over Potiphar's property, everything but his wife. Unfortunately, it was Adam who was tempted and took and ate and fell, but it was Joseph who was tempted and, as you point out, Mark, ran. And through through Joseph's faithfulness, he ultimately ends up providing, uh, God ends up providing a way of salvation for the land through famine. Uh, and of course, Jesus is the ultimate typology of Joseph is that through his faithfulness, he provides salvation for us. And so I love the way, again, going back to understanding the Old Testament to know the new, there's a link between Adam and Joseph in Christ that we ought to see. We, there's this common thread. We often say that this story, the Bible isn't one-off passages. It's not bumper stickers. It's not rules. It is one story of God sovereignly saving a people for his glory. Yeah, I love how Mark said, um, run. That's where Iran got its name from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and so, you know, 
we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to hit on a couple things left in Joseph's life. So we know what happened, right? He gets Easy. to prison. We should do a second program. I because know. Seriously, you, you, cannot hurry, you cannot hurry through his brothers. Uh, that whole thing where he's crying goes out and cries. And all this but you just did it. Yeah. yeah. I did it. Well, let, let's see. Let's see if we can get, get through this. Okay. If not, we'll Seven minutes. So, so Joseph, so he ends up, Obviously, you know, getting thrown thrown in. Then the whole thing happens where, you know, there's the the baker and uh, the the cupbearer, right, of the king, and he has, you know, he has a dream. Um, this is a whole dream world that he was in. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. A dreamer. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, and and he ends up, you know, he ends up doing that, and then he tells him, "Hey, tell Pharaoh." They forget. They don't. They don't do it. And then it, he ends up, you know. It ends up happening, and then he gets elevated. He becomes second command of, of all of Egypt after interpreting Pharaoh's dream. And then this whole thing happens with his brothers, right? They end up coming. The famine happens in the land. Yeah. They come to get food. And go ahead, Ryan. I absolutely love it when Joseph favored Benjamin mm. in front of his brothers, knowing what had happened to him because he was favored by his father. And remember when he put him in order of age? Yeah, put him in order of age. Like, and he was saying, brothers, let's see if this favoritism still worries you because yeah. I'm going to favor. He gave him, what, five times as much food to eat? Like that's 10 in and out burgers, oh. you know? <laughs> what? What? Oh, ooh. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Part two coming up later. We gotta yeah. but, but how beautiful is that? And then Joseph goes out and he, and he does he cry? And he just, oh. When I, I start crying when I read that story, when I think of it, it's just so moving. Yeah, yeah, he went you, out and you cried. Did you see the Prince of Egypt? The, the, oh, yeah. It was fabulous. Yeah, that was good, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and so... You know, he, he he goes out, he cries, he comes back, he reveals himself to them, and they're like, they're just terrified. Yeah. And he says to them, hey, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Now, what I mean, what an eternal perspective. And, and then what I love is at the end of the, the whole story of Joseph, remember, Jacob dies, right? They all end up coming to Israel. I mean, think of Jacob at that moment, like, my son's alive, you know, like, what? And so he comes, they, they're given the best of the land of Goshen, and they're, they're doing their whole thing. And then Jacob dies, and now they're terrified. Yeah. They're like, oh, he probably just was nice to us because our dad was still alive. I think the verses. So can, 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 yeah. can, I, can, <laughs> yeah. can I just bring this up? How, it shows the, the blinding evil that jealousy is. Think of what they did to their father, mm. knowing that yeah. he was the favorite, and they brought him down to death prematurely. He was still alive, but he was kind of dead oh. because of what they did. And then to realize for him to, re- he had to forgive his own sons now for doing such wickedness to him, yeah. carrying that bird. But I love, I love how he responded to them when, oh. when they were terrified. It says, uh, this is Genesis 50. It says, uh, then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for I for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant it for evil, but God against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring this about it, this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them mm. and spoke kindly yeah. to them. I, that's so touching to me. He is comforting them yeah. after all they did for them. And he's speaking kindly to them. You know, it reminds me of, I know that's a different context, but Genesis 6 uh, Galatians 6, 1, right. brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you are spiritual. Restore such one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted. You know, just that that spirit of gentleness, kindness, yeah. and the forgiveness that's there. I, that's a big lesson to take away. Forgive. He could have crushed them. He could have killed them all, you know, and felt justified in doing it. 
but well, okay, so yeah, there's two there's two ultimately verses that help us fully understand the story of Joseph, and and you just read one of them, which is Genesis 50 uh, verses 20 and 21. Genesis 45 verse five is is another one which says, "And now do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives." that God sent me ahead of you. This is so key to understanding God's sovereignty because often people will say something like, God didn't do this evil thing, but he's gonna kind of rework it so that it's ultimately good. But what Joseph is saying here is that God was was intricately and sovereignly involved with all things. You didn't send me here. God sent me here. This wasn't your plan ultimately. This was God's plan ultimately. God was sovereignly involved. And then the key to his forgiveness is the verse that you just read, which is, he says, am I in the place of God? Hmm. See, Joseph understood that he had no right to vengeance because he's not God. Vengeance is God's and God's alone. And so what, what, what stops him is actually him realizing, I don't have a right to take vengeance upon my brothers. That is God's role, not my role. Hmm. But the Joseph that did have a right, because Jesus is the better Joseph, the difference between Joseph and Jesus is that Jesus is God. He is in the place of God. He could have taken vengeance. He could have taken the fullness of wrath on us. But he, like Joseph, but better, sets that aside, takes on the fullness of the wrath of God on our behalf. He does not take vengeance for himself. Instead, he takes vengeance upon himself so that we could be forgiven. Uh, Joseph was so forgiving. I often thought, well, I wonder if we went back and knocked on Potiphar's door. Hey, <laughs> I'm the top, second top guy in Egypt. Hey, hey potty, let's yeah, have potty. a talk. Yeah, and I want to talk to your <laughs> wife again about that incident, she said. Yeah, you know, but wow. He, there's no, no record of that. You know, I wonder at, at the end there of, of Jacob's life as he was dying, if you guys remember Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, uh, they were brought and Jacob, when he went to bless them, put his right hand on the younger mm. and Joseph tried to move his hand. And I wonder... If at that moment, Joseph was thinking, you know, I remember what happened yeah. with you favoring me. Have you got another code for me? Like- <laughs> right. Like, let's, let, let's just go with what is, you know. And, but again, God and his sovereignty, you know, uh, w- was working and all that. But yeah, I love that, Oscar. And, and it's true, right? I mean, still, though, in our flesh, we can find any excuse. Yeah, you meant it for evil. And yeah, God sovereignly used it for the good. Obviously, God and his providence worked it all out. But he could have still had that vengeful heart mm-hmm. and said, well, yeah, here I am now. God did this and look at what you did. You meant it for evil and so you deserve to die. But again, that that, that nuance of, of kindness and comfort coming from the victim, mm-hmm. if you would. I find it hard to explain, but in uh, Proverbs 31, I think it speaks of the law of kindness, mm. like it's unbending. Yeah, yeah and, and there's a proverb that says, what is desired in a man is kindness. Right. I love that, you know? So yeah, boy, I know we, we could we could have gone on Joseph forever and ever. You but could I, write a book about it. <laughs> Ray wrote a book, How to Overcome Life's Endless Trials, Viable Lessons from the Life of Joseph. Make sure to check it out, friends, at livingwanders.com, along with Tough Questions, Apologetics Made Simple, and the Evidence Study Bible, livingwanders.com. This has been fun. I, I'm really enjoying these. And um, 
Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next set that we're going to do. Let us know, friends, by the way, if you're enjoying these and if you have ideas for other character studies. Of course, we're going to go back to doing other things as well, but we, want, we do want to intersperse these. So if you have ideas of different characters you'd like, email us at podcast.livingwaters.com. Send comments on the platform wherever you listen and uh, give us a high rating. We're at five stars. Thanks to you and God's still using this podcast. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast, where most of us have no idea what we're doing. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Will and Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.